to the chapter we looked at last week, the second half of Romans chapter 12, uh, where Paul challenges us in view of Jesus's great mercy and God's great mercy who died for us to offer ourselves a living sacrifices and to live it out by seeking to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can be. And so that's where we pick up today as we'll be reading, uh, I'll read verse one and then we'll head down starting with the ninth verse and the rest of chapter 12 as we look at the heart of the body of Christ together as a community. This is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 9. So love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks God. Be to God. Will you pray with me and for me? Lord Jesus, um, I just ask for your help today. Give me your words. Lord, uh, may your spirit move in all our hearts in ways that remind us of who you are shaping us to be and what that looks like because our world needs us to have hearts that are completely yours. And so, Lord, we thank you that's the help of the Holy Spirit that helps us with this. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Uh, just this week, or in the last couple of weeks, I guess, I noticed that uh, this month of September was the 60th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech in Washington, D.C., that I have a dream speech. It's hard to believe it's been 60 years since he shared that with the world. And in sharing that with the world, one part that continues to reverberate in my heart and life and probably yours as well is that part in the sermon where he said, 
You know, I hope one day to see a day when what matters is not the color of a person's skin, but the content of their what? Character. The content of their character. That's a word we needed in that moment. It's a word we still need today. It's a word that Paul thought that the church in Rome needed as well. Because in Romans chapter 12, he talks all about the character of those who follow Jesus and how the basis of this character is what Christ has done for us. He bases it all on God's abundant mercy. The first 12 chapters have been building his case in this, that, that we are a people who deserve God's wrath. We have all gone astray. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And as a result, our lives are broken. Our hearts are selfish. We often have hard hearts and bitter hearts. We let anger consume us and lead us in destructive directions. We allow all these things to consume who we are and how we live and how we act and how we treat our children or our spouse or our community or our families. And it wrecks havoc in our community and world. And so in light of our brokenness, we stand amazed at the gift of Jesus. That Jesus was willing to be nailed to a cross to take your place, to take my place. He took the nails so that he may take away the penalty of sin and the punishment of sin and the shame of sin. And it may be consumed and instead he might set us free and give us life and transform our character to be something that would better reflect uh, what some people would call our better angels, perhaps. And so in this journey, we are reminded again today that how do we respond to Jesus who has given us everything for our forgiveness and salvation? And so Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's incredible mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It's this root and ground that sets up everything else that he talks about in this Romans chapter 12. Now, in talking about character, the other, one other document came to mind for me, and that's a little document our founder, John Wesley, wrote over 300 years ago called The Character of a Methodist. The Character of a Methodist. And so I want us to explore Romans chapter 12 today, listening to our founder's words about who we are and how we are to live. And so with this first part, he tells us what a Methodist is. Have you ever asked the question, what is a Methodist? Well, here, Wesley gives us his answer. This is what he says. Methodists are people who have the love of God in their hearts. This is a gift of God's Holy Spirit, and the same Spirit causes Methodists to love the Lord their God with all their hearts, with all their souls, with all their minds, and with all their strength. God is the joy of Methodist hearts and the desire of their souls. This is who we are. 
We are people who have been touched by the love of God in Jesus Christ. We have been touched by God's mercy. And that mercy and love has made a difference in us that cause us to love God with great joy and causes us to be willing to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Later on in his little tract, he says this about our offering. All this means that Methodists are continually offering their whole selves to God, holding back nothing, but giving all to increase the glory of God in the world. Paul, Paul and John Wesley sound a lot alike. Our best response to all Christ has done is to give our all for him. And then out of giving that all, what comes next in the character of a Methodist or the character of a Christian that Paul tells us? Well, Paul tells us it all starts with love. Love must be sincere, hating what is evil, clinging to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. This first word for love is the one that many of you have probably heard. It's agape. It's God's unconditional love. It's God saying to us, I love you, period, no matter what. He says this love must be sincere. In the Greek, this word for sincerity is without hypocrisy. We must love in a way that is without hypocrisy. The ancient forefathers of the faith said the way we love without hypocrisy is we must, our love must be rooted in our relationship with Jesus and the living God. We cannot really love until we learn to love God first. So the only way for our love to be real and genuine and sincere without hypocrisy is to be in love with God. In fact, Paul earlier in the letter to the Romans said this. He said, listen, it's the Holy Spirit that pours the love of God into your hearts. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that pours God's transforming love into our hearts. And love has the power to transform our character and our lives. Love must be sincere. Be devoted to one another in love. This second word for love in verse 10 is a different word. In Greek, they had like four different words they could talk about love. The second word is phileo. It's where we get the word for the town of Philadelphia. Right? And so he's also, Paul reminds us that we are to be devoted to one another in brotherly and sisterly love. Maybe that's part of the habit of the church you know, you've been in those churches where uh, people will call you, hey there, Brother Chris. Hey there, Sister June, right? That type of character is rooted, I think, in the idea that we are to love one another as brothers and sisters. We're to build each other up, to encourage each other, to be devoted to each other, to look after one another as a spiritual family under the Lordship of Jesus. It's this kind of love that's to transform our heart and lives. And when John Wesley talked about this kind of love, he talked about it oftentimes in sort of a context of what is known as the three general rules. And I know I've talked about those before, but we can't talk about them enough because in our life in Christ, we are called to be a people of the three rules. 
Those three rules are do good to everybody you can, anywhere you can, anytime you can. Do no harm to anyone. And then third, stay in love with God. These three rules we see Paul kind of in a backhanded way point to in his letter to the Romans. And the first rule of doing good starts always with love. And so in talking about that, I want to share with you how Wesley talks about that in his tract on the character of the Methodist. He says this, Inscribed indelibly on the Methodist's heart is the truth that the one who loves God loves his brother also. This means that Methodists care about their neighbors as much as they care about themselves. Their hearts are full of love for everyone. This love does not stop with Methodist personal acquaintances. It encircles all of humanity. Even those who hate Methodists receive love in return. For like Jesus, the Methodist loves his or her enemies, and the Methodist loves even God's enemies, the evil and the unthankful. If Methodists cannot possibly do good to their enemies, still Methodists pray for those who trouble and insult them. This is what it means to be pure in heart. And so here, Wesley reminds us of the kind of love that Paul talks about, the kind of love Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, a love that goes beyond our friends and family, a love that includes even those who uh, are rebellious and lost and far from God. With this love, we are to do good to all we can. And Wesley talks about this doing good as well. He says this, as time permits, Methodists do good to all, their neighbors and strangers, their friends and enemies. This includes every kind of good. Naturally, Methodists provide food to the hungry and clothing to the naked. They visit people who are sick and in prison. But even more important than this, Methodists labor to do good to the souls of people. According to the ability which God has given to them, Methodists labor to awaken those who have never known God and therefore sleep the slumber of eternal death. And when people are awakened to God, Methodists help them realize that the atoning blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse away their sins. The greatest good work a Methodist can do is to help somebody get into a right relationship with God for this is the only way a person can have peace with God. And so Wesley encourages us to, like Paul, to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. To cling to what is good. And so we are devoted to one another in love. And, uh, and then he keeps on going. How do we do this? We share with the Lord's people who are in need. Verse 13, we practice hospitality. The word hospitality there really means to be the kind of person that welcomes the stranger or welcomes the foreigner or welcomes the refugee. The person who sees someone who is an outsider and says, I know that person must feel left out and alone. 
I don't want them to feel left out and alone. They have a place here with us. That's the character of the Christian, the one who is seeking to do good to all that they can. This includes, Paul writes, to bless instead of curse, to not repay evil for evil, but to repay evil with good. He continues to encourage us in all these things and encourages us in how we view each other. He says, honor one another above yourselves. He goes on and says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And so in these texts, he challenges us to do good in three ways. To do good by honoring one another. To do good, actually maybe four ways. I'll say to honor one another. To be humble. To have empathy. And then lastly, to live in harmony. To honor, to have empathy, to be humble, and to be in harmony with one another. These four qualities, Paul shares, this is the heart of who we are. We are to be the heart of a people who treat one another with love and respect, who are willing to associate with the lowest among us and let them know that they're still a valuable child of the living God. Again, uh, Wesley writes in his character of a Methodist just a few verses about this. He says, In place of our human weaknesses, the Methodist has taken the character of Christ. This is evident in a true Methodist's meekness, patience in the face of frustration, absence of pride, honest estimate of his or her own strengths and weaknesses. And with these verses, I think Wesley again is pointing us to empathy, humility, and harmony with others. And so we're to do good to everyone we can, all the time we can, anywhere we can, to love others. But we are also, secondly, to do no harm, to do no harm, to not repay evil for evil. And so Wesley as well talks about these words as Paul does in Romans. The first thing Wesley says is this. Another mark of Methodists, they will not take part in any amusement which has the least possibility of causing harm to others. They cannot speak evil of their neighbors any more than they can lie for God or any person. Love keeps guard over the Methodist lips, so they cannot speak evil of anybody. Nor is God's precious gift of speech wasted with useless, inane chatter, which does not help people in some constructive way. In a second area that Paul talks about this clearly is not repaying evil for evil, not taking revenge. And Wesley again encourages us with this. The Methodist can experience this purity of heart because God has cleansed the Methodist heart, washing away all urge for revenge, all envy, all wrath, all desire for harming another person 
Every unkind inclination is gone. Every evil lust and desire too. Pride has been purged out of the Methodist mind and heart. Gone also is haughtiness, which always causes friction between people. Going back to Martin Luther King Jr., for instance. I believe it was Martin Luther King Jr. He said, hatred cannot defeat hatred. Only love can defeat hatred. In a similar way in Romans, I think the same is true. Paul says evil cannot defeat evil. Only good can defeat evil. Some of my favorite set of books are Tolkien's classics, The Lord of the Rings. I love fantasy. I love J.R.R. Tolkien. At the heart of his story of the powerful and evil ring that must be destroyed is this temptation. The temptation is for good people to use evil power to try to do good things. The temptation of good people to use evil power to accomplish good things. That's the theme of the whole book. Tolkien was a, was a Catholic Christian, and he believed fully when Paul says, repaying anyone evil for evil is not God's way. The way to fight back against evil is instead of being overcome by evil, verse 21, overcoming evil with good. And so the follower of Jesus, the Methodist, plants our heart and lives in trusting God with his part and us with our part. And part of God's part is understanding that in the future, God will repay those who have done evil. He, no one will escape that day. And so it's our job instead, when the evil enemy of ours is hungry, we feed him. When he's thirsty, we give him something to drink. By that, maybe our enemy will see Christ and repent. And so Wesley says one more thing about doing no harm that I think is a good piece for us in his booklet. He says, if anybody causes people trouble, embarrassment, or discomfort, Methodists can forgive because God, for the sake of Christ, has forgiven Methodists for their sins. All of this means that a Methodist never has a reason to quarrel and fight with anybody, regardless how great the provocation. And why should Methodists fight? Nobody can take from them the things they consider most important, God and the things of God. Methodists are immune to conflict because they have crucified their old selves, which used to be directed by the desires and the standards of the lower nature. Wesley says, we have the power to forgive. And because we have the power to forgive, we have the power to really not want to fight <clears throat> or not want to be engaged in conflict at all. Um, another gift that God has offered to us as his followers. So we're to do good. We're to do no harm. We're to repay evil with good. And then the third piece of Wesley's rules are stay, stay in love with God. 
Stay in love with God. Paul touches on that as well in the 11th verse, doesn't he? Never be lacking in zeal. Keep up your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. At the heart of our ability to love as God wants us to love has to be a heart of flame with the Holy Spirit. Has to be a heart that is joyful in hope, that is patient when affliction comes into their life, and in all things is faithful in prayer and seeks God. If we can stay close to God, then God will stay close to us. And when we do this, Paul paints a picture for us, and Wesley paints a picture for us. This is the kind of person I want to be. This is the kind of person I want to be because this is the kind of person Jesus is. And so, uh, and so I pray today that this is who we will seek to be in our own lives and in the days ahead. Um, and in kind of wrapping up this message, I want to share just a few more things. The, the one thing I want to share is um, we've had a, a challenging journey, right? The, the journey we're on is not an easy journey. But I want you to know, as someone who loves you and cares for you, tries to be a good shepherd for you, um, I, want to, I want you to know I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you because I see this spirit of love the spirit of humility, the spirit of reflect over and over and over again in the midst of us transversing this difficult situation. And, uh, and I'm thankful for that. Have we done it perfectly? No. But, uh, but I think we've tried our best to keep our hearts faithful to Jesus and his character. And so I thank you for that. But keep it up. We have a couple of more weeks to go. And then a second word I want to give is a word I hope will be received as a word of good news. A word of good news, and that's this. Though this has been a hard path to take, um, it will be a path that will give us the necessary clarity moving forward in a couple of more weeks. And that's a good thing, because as we move through the process and this vote and the church conference and all that, Getting to the other side, we will be free once again, no matter the result, to focus on the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ, to offer Christ to the world, and to keep our focus on his kingdom, and uh, whichever direction it takes, to continue bringing the hope to men and women and people for years to come. Um, you know, brothers and sisters, again, I'm not trying to influence you to vote one way or the other. I have friends on both sides of the issue. Um, I really am not. And so some people, I think, look subconsciously for me to try to influence your vote. I'm, I'm not really trying to do that. If I could influence you, the area where I've tried to influence you is this, that no matter the, the result in a couple of weeks, I hope in prayer you'll be able to say, this is the family Jesus has given me. And even though maybe I didn't disagree with the result, for now, this is the family that I want to stay with as long as I can in good conscience. Um, 
That's where I'd love to influence you. I'd love to keep the family together as much as possible. And I know in some cases that may be not possible for some folks, but I hope you'll at least pray about it. Um, because, brothers and sisters, the second thing, uh, other churches in the North Georgia Conference, they've chosen not to vote, you know, and, and I respect that too, but, uh, but one of the things I feel like is many of these churches, that cloud will continue to kind of hang over them for years to come. It, it's still not really going away very easily. And so the good news for us is, that, and I appreciate the leadership board of this, is we're, just, we're going to face it as courageously and graciously as we can and trust the Holy Spirit to guide us. And, uh, and I think that's what the Lord would want us to do. So we can't speak, I can't speak for other communities and other churches. So in light of all that, I'll give you one last story. You up for one last story? Uh, this week, Chandler wanted to watch a movie, uh, wanted me to watch a movie with him. He wanted to watch a classic, you know, like one of the all-time greats. So guess what he picked out? He picked out The Godfather. <laughs> he picked out The Godfather. So, so Friday night, we watched The Godfather. And when I think of this scripture, uh, the, the opposite that comes to mind, right, is the end of The Godfather. Uh, Al Pacino is there... Uh, at the baptism of his nephew, he's going to become his nephew's godfather. And in that moment, he is asked in the ritual of the church to say, do you reject the forces of evil? Do you reject the bad? Do you reject the wicked and seek to be someone who follows God and does good? And right there, he, while he's affirming all this on the one hand, he is taking out his enemies on the other hand and all the leaders of the other crime families are going down. And um, it's a powerful picture. And it's a powerful reminder that the Godfather is not what Jesus envisioned for our character. It's not what Paul envisioned for our character. It's not what John Wesley envisioned for our character. Instead, we are to be a people of radical goodness and love who do good, who do no harm, and stay in love with Jesus. And uh, Lord, help us keep that faith in the journey. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, it's not easy staying in love with you. It's not easy to forgive. It's not easy to love our family sometimes, much less our enemies. Um, be it, Lord, with the help of your Holy Spirit, with the help of your love for us when we least deserved it, you show us a way. You show us a way to be people of radical love, radical goodness, radical forgiveness. And so, Lord, help us keep seeking to be that kind of people in this week and the weeks ahead as we seek your discernment for the future of this community of faith. And Lord, I just pray for each of us that, uh, that we may keep following you in our journey and uh, that you will keep showing us the way. And so we leave the results to you. We trust your providence in that case. And we seek to be your people.
You've called us together as a family. And I thank you for the love that I've experienced here among these wonderful people. And so we pray for them and for all of us in Jesus.